Chapter 20 of Women, Children, Love, and Marriage. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Women, Children, Love, and Marriage by Catherine Gascoigne Hartley. Section 14 of Children, The Seduction of Men. Quite recently, an action has been brought in the high courts by a wife against a woman for the seduction of her husband. It is the first time a charge of this kind has been heard in an English court of law, though, I believe, such actions are not unknown in the newer lands of America and Canada. The case is one of very special interest, and opens up many questions that go right down to the deepest problems of the relationship of men and women. As we should expect, the action failed. It was held that the man had not been seduced. He was not enticed away from his wife by the other woman. Rather, it was the other way around. The man, not the woman, must be held responsible. She had yielded to him only at his desire, after persuasion and against her will. But is this true? As already in the two previous essays I have emphasized, perhaps overemphasized, the accepted, very sentimental, peculiar judgment in all these cases. The woman, the victim, the man, the seducer, he, the active sinner, she, the passive sufferer. All the blame to be heaped on to him, all the pity to be given to her. Really, it is difficult, so as frequently I have stated, to have patience at the shelving of the real facts. It seems to be forgotten entirely how tremendous is the power of the woman in all love relationships. Why a man under the influence of a woman he loves is as easily led and as devoid of all willpower as a young child. Indeed, he becomes the child of the woman as soon as and as for long as he loves her. He is hers to make or to destroy. She strengthens him enormously or repairably endures and, and weakens his resistance. She can hold him to the hardest duty and keep him in the fine path of right doing. It is she leads him, not he who leads her, into the easier ways of love. Yes, it is women who shape the souls of men as it is women who give them birth. That is why this view of man's responsibility in love being greater than the woman's is so singularly untrue. If we inquire at all truthfully into this question of seduction, it is obvious that not the man but the woman is more responsible. For one thing, she knows so much more about love from the beginning and without being taught than a man ever knows. Most often, it is the woman who takes the first step, breaks down the first barrier. Always there is the invitation which unceasingly she gives, whether consciously or unconsciously expressed. Come and love me. Her dress, her movements, all invite love. To be provocative is, however, little she knows it. The once fixed simple rule of her life. In the end, indeed, sometimes very soon, the position may be reversed. But at the start, assuredly, the woman holds the cards can make the first move in the love game. She is the pursuer, far more often and far more truly than the pursued. Too often, she directs a continuous attack. Her relation to the man is comparable to that of a magnet to a heap of iron fillings. Love to a woman so often when she is young is less an affair of passion and of excitement. It gratifies her insatiable desire for power. The boy or the man more certainly is driven by love. This is his principal motive. While the girl often starts in the adventure for the sake of experiment and because she wants amusement, she pursues love almost as a game. Passion plays a part only in the second degree, not infrequently in the midst of love. The coldness of her heart is plainly apparent. This may seem a hard saying. I believe it is true. Seduction as the crime of the man alone cannot, I am convinced, be accepted in any case without great caution. 
It is, as I have said several times already, so comfortable to place the sins of sex on men. But I doubt very much if any woman can be seduced against her will. I must insist again that excitement and escape from dullness, as also the joy in receiving presents and having a good time, are the principal motives that first lead girls into legal relations. Sometimes it is worse than this. Many women, seducers of men, women who draw men from their wives and their homes and their duty, are nothing but cold experimenters. They are speculators in love. They do this for delight of power, in the same way men are speculators in business. Perhaps the position is unavoidable. The subjugation of man is a necessity to some women's existence. Love is to them a similar feeling to love of the chase. They cannot keep from pursuing men. It is, as I have said, an expression of the ever-increasing demand for excitement. Conquest in love gives to women the opportunities for the fulfillment of themselves, which men gain in many different departments of life. But no man, I think, could satisfy completely the craving for dominion, which the delusive humility of his desire weakens in this type of woman. Then, when she commits the error, from a womanly point of view, of hunting down her man, leading him on by helping him too much, seducing him, instead of waiting for him and drawing him slowly and unconsciously by her love, she awakens the same instinct for dominion and thirst for excitement in the man. It is then that the man becomes a seducer of other women. It is the lust to devour, to crush, quickened into being by suggestion. It explains, I believe, the cruelty of all wild love. End of chapter 20.